What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Sports Inventory with your host, Ben Kuchipudi and I, T. Grizzly Graham. Before we go any further, I want to obviously mention our not so special guest anymore because she's going to be a regular now, folks. Give it up for Grace Hugh. Yay. Hi, everyone. I'm back. Yes. Grace. Hey, now, too. Welcome back. Obviously, it's a pleasure to have you as always. Probably the smartest sports mind I could I could possibly fathom having as a friend, a colleague up here. Uh, Grace, how are you feeling today? Ben, how are you feeling today? Guys, how are you feeling today? It's Friday. It's a it's good Friday. day. Getting warmer up where I am, enjoying everything. It's, it's a good day. It's a good day. Yeah. Grace, how are you feeling? You feeling I way? love some Rogers news, but other than that. That's not going to happen. You know that, Grace. Yeah. But, <laughs> you know, can't complain. <laughs> so before we go on to any football news that's obviously a big hitter, we have to start with the MLB. It's coming upon us, but before the MLB, we just finished off with the World Baseball Classic. I'm going to start with Ben. Ben, do you think that the World Baseball Classic is going to have a profound effect on the world? Is it going to become this international showcase we all love to see, or it's always going to stick in that plateau of viewership? Ben, what do you think about the Classic and its uh, outcome this year? Uh, if I'm being honest, I, was ne I never really watched the Classic before this year, but like honestly, it was Awesome. I loved I loved watching it. I loved seeing um Otani and um Trout going at it um head to head in the final and once again Japan won won it. I just think it's just I just it's like not like the World Cup for soccer to an extent, but it's almost like a mini World Cup if you want to think about it. It's just I just really think it's enjo enjoyable to watch. It's a nice little um nice little preview of what we're gonna see in the MLB MLB season since there's a lot of stars that play in this event. Grace, how do you feel about it? You like the event? You like the classic? Yeah, I I love the classic. I think um, there's something that happens when guys like play for their country that they just get so um, like prideful to to be representing where they're from. That just creates like an incredible energy. Um, I was actually in Arizona while the classic was going on, but I was not able to attend a game, unfortunately. But everything was just buzzing at the time, like. Just the energy there, along with just the spring training games, but every so many people were there for just the classic, and and that was so great. And I think it's such a good event because it's really cool to see. I know, like I believe the the Czech Republic team had like they went through the guys like regular day jobs, and they were like, "I'm an accountant, I'm a yeah. salesperson." Yeah. So <laughs> it's a really cool event because. You can get guys who who might not normally get a chance to perform uh, in front of like that big of a stage mm -hmm. to be able to like experience that, even if you know it ends up being a loss. It's still such an incredible experience. But I think it's so good. I think that the views really showed that people were tuning in. I know that McAfee talked about it on his show, which is crazy for me because, um. You know, that's a football show, and yeah. having Pat on his platform talk about that just kind of shows, like, the growth of baseball, and at least, like, it's reaching guys like that. And he was tweeting all throughout the finals, too, which is incredible for the game. So I think the big thing is, is will this kind of hype of people carry over to the regular season? Mm -hmm. And I hope it does, because, like... Not every baseball game is going to be as exciting as the World Baseball Classic, but, like, the fun thing about baseball is you have no idea what's going to happen at all times. Like, everything is so unpredictable, so. Yeah, absolutely. It was great. I, I think you made an awesome point that it's, like, it has a similar effect to the Olympics. Like, in my home country, I might compete a certain oh. way, whether it's basketball or some other sport, but, like, when I have a flag on my chest, there's definitely a certain aura to it that makes it really, mm -hmm. really cool. Um, yeah, it, it, this is a really good momentum swing into the season, which we'll cover shortly, because um, baseball is a weird one where the start of the season is so highly anticipated and then it keels off and then the postseason push when people start clinching. So, yeah, baseball is a long, grueling season, but this kind of momentum, this kind of attention, obviously mm -hmm. great for a sport that's probably the longest tenured sport, but it's losing a bit of viewership and fan base. But so let's go on to the MLB. Um, Grace, let's piggyback to you, though. We'll go to Ben. Any teams, any players we're feeling? I know you're a Mets fan. Obviously, we had the, the fall of Edwin Diaz. So let me hear your thoughts. Any, like, huge guys going right into it? You're like, damn, I, I want to see this kid play. Yeah. So losing Diaz was obviously really disappointing 
um, especially since he just signed the large contract in the offseason. Um, so that sucks. But I'm high on the Mets. Um, I think that division is incredibly competitive. The Phillies look, as if you watch the World Baseball Classic, you saw Trey Turner just absolutely lock in. And he was so fun to watch. Um, But I definitely think that the East is is a great watch. I I can even see Miami. They made that trade for Luis Arias, who was the batting champion, if I'm correct, in the American League last year. So that was, I thought, was a really great acquisition. Um, I'm really excited for this Orioles team. A bunch of young guys who are going to be able to see develop throughout the season. Adley and Gunner. I can I can see them either having like great breakout seasons, maybe like Julio did last year, but it might be more like how the Royals did with Prado and and Bobby Witt, where it was kind of like we called up our young guys and we kind of have to let them work it out. So I think it can go either way, but I think that they're in a really good position to start making strides towards the postseason this year. Um, and I love Seattle. I, I love the team. I love the energy that they're building there. Julio is like my most exciting player for this year, obviously, aside from like Otani. But yeah, I just, I love, I think that as we saw in the NBA just how kind of um, watered down, I think, the event and All Star weekend has become. And I love the Home Run Derby so much. And it always provides like such a great platform for guys to um who who are un like unknown to the league or unknown to like a yeah. casual viewer to kind of get their start and that's where like Julio became like I think a name that outside of just like diehard baseball fans kind of knew. So I'm really excited for him to take off this season. Um and uh, hopefully he does the home run derby again because he was just unbelievable. Yeah, I think he should definitely run it back. Ben, how are we feeling this upcoming season? As a Yankee fan, Ben, are you looking forward to running back? Obviously, Rendon's on the uh, the injury list and Bader as well. So how are you feeling, Ben? Anybody you really want to keep an eye out for? You know, obviously, as a Yankee fan, my eyes are all on the AL East. Um, obviously, I'm expecting our boys in the pinstripes to finish on top once again. But obviously, I think the Jays are going to be our biggest um, challengers this year for the division. I wouldn't even count the Rays. They have a pretty solid roster. I'm just happy to see that the Red Sox, in my opinion, are going to be the worst team in, in this division. Because they're, they're just, they've just been uninspiring last year. Even the Orioles, as Grace mentioned, I feel like have a chance to make some noise, even possibly make a wild card. And um, Tyler, you know, ever since the summer, I've been high on the Padres ever since the edition yeah. of Juan Soto. Um, obviously, Tatis is going to be suspended, I think, until April 20th. I forgot. 20 games, odd 20 games. Yeah. yeah, something like that. But um, I think they definitely can. If when um everyone's healthy and playing, I think they can. I think they can definitely challenge the Dodgers for the NL West. And as Grace mentioned before, the Mariners, you know, I I like to compare them to the Sacramento Kings. They have before the King the Kings are about to break their 17-year-long playoff drought this year. Last season, the Mariners had the longest playoff drought mm-hmm. in history, not making the playoffs since that historic 2001 season. And they finally broke that this year. And the AL West, in my opinion, it's a little weak, besides obviously the Astros are gonna be the Astros. They're they're that team. The Angels with Trout and Otani, you can never count them out. But with teams like the Rangers and Athletics, I feel like the Mariners definitely have a shot to challenge for the LOS title. So I'm I'm super excited to see how the Mariners do. But obviously, all the Yankees. I I think I disagree with you because I think that the West has four. Obviously, the Athletics are in a situation where they're developing a lot of the young talent they've acquired through trades. But there's four good contenders in the West. The Rangers have Corey Seager, Simeon, DeGrom that they signed in the offseason. Obviously, the Mariners are full of young guys. The Angels are always an interesting team because, like, can you count out Mike Trout and Otani? No. Baseball's a game where, like, you might have four stars. It doesn't matter. You can still go 500. So, um, I, I, I think it's, I don't think it's a bad division. I think it's an interesting one. Yeah, I, I, I can agree with somewhat both takes. I do think a- the AL West 
isn't going to be a cakewalk for the Astros, but it's theirs to kind of like not control. But it's the is definitely going to be a very, very difficult ride for the Yankees and the Red Sox being the worst one. Obviously, that's not terrible to say. You know, we're not really Red Sox fans over here. But- I think that you can't forget Yoshida, though. Because he was cooking in the World Baseball Classic, and now he looks like he could be a real player for the Sox. But obviously the Sox have, they're in a bit of a rebuild right now also. Well, maybe it's the similar effect that um, certain players in soccer have. Like, uh, Maguire is a very, very phenomenal center back for England, but when he plays for Manchester United, he lets up four goals a game, you know? So Mm. there's a certain pride to it, and that's very common in in soccer. And maybe we'll start seeing this keel over into the MLB having the classic where it's like when you play for your country, it's it's a different ball game. You're you're just a different element. And when you come back to your homeland and play for your sport – Maybe a little different. I, obviously, you know, you have your takeaways. I, I'm, I'm looking forward to Ronald Cunha Jr. I think he's going to walk away with the National League MVP. I think he's going to have maybe a somewhat similar 2019 campaign of 40-40, maybe 40 home runs, 39 stolen bases mm-hmm. around there. Um, I think your guy, Jeff McNeil, is going to win Golden Glove. I think that's his award to lose. Mm. Um, I think Bryce Harper is going to have a terrible season because naturally he comes off injury. He's not so hot, and Tommy John isn't a light injury to take on. Last year, just with his thumb injury, didn't do so hot coming in. It took a while for him just to get heated up. Um, he was so good in the postseason. Yeah, no, no. And oh obviously, we waited for a, a good Christmas treat there. But um, Bryce Harper, historically, after an injury, takes a long time to get the, the ball rolling. No pun intended. Uh, ben, you're not going to like this, but... I think John Carl is going to have a horrible season and he's going to bat below the Mendoza line at DH, which saddens me because I'm a big fan of his, but I think like he's really going to get hit hard this season uh, with the average. But um, it, it should be a really, really interesting season, highly competitive. Um, I'm really excited to see what Trey Turner does as a Philly. Obviously, mm-hmm. we all saw him in the Classic just you know batting lights out. Um, but I wonder how the fit's going to be over there, how he's going to handle it. Um, I want to see how uh, Randy Rosarena plays for the Rays this year. We saw him also play for Mexico, but this should be a fun one. But we'll see. Like, I'm really excited for this season because um, as a Yankees fan, we got Rendon, who I think is going to lead the league in strikeouts. That's my take for the year. That's a very hot take. Yeah, very hot take. I think he's going to have a really, really good regular season. But once into the postseason, we'll see because, as we all know, the pinstripes love to just – Shake it up a little bit in the postseason, but I, that's yeah. my take for the season. Um, actually, it, it should be fun. It should be fun, but I'm really scared of the Padres because 20 games in, you're going to get Tatis back. I think Machado, he's going to be a favorite for a lot of things, probably even postseason MVP if he just maintains that level of play that we all know and love him for. Uh, Juan Soto's probably going to hit 30-plus home runs. Tatis is going to do what he has to do. Hopefully, the chemistry and the egos can be maintained. Baseball's a little different than the NBA or the NFL. But that's a lot of good talent, a lot of, you know, Hall of Fame talent, you can even argue. But can we keep them together? Can we keep them cohesive? Can we keep them friendly? That's a big thing. Uh, San Diego just getting this kind of team. It, they're going to be thrust into the position where the light's on them. And it hasn't been on them like that for, you know, before. So we'll see. I'm excited. I know we're all excited. But um, let's move on. Obviously, you guys are Jets fans. Not much thing on the Rodgers front. But, Ben, I want to go to you real quick. McCole Hardman. Random, pr- appropriate. Do you like it? Do you, you know, it? It, it's kind of funny, and I'm sure Grace had the same exact thought I did. So when I saw that the Jets signed Nicole Hartman, I was confused. I literally looked at my phone. I was like, "Huh?" Because Nicole Hartman, I didn't think we would sign another wide receiver, but unless it was Odell Beckham, I was signed mm-hmm. for for a one year, six million dollar deal, coming off an injury with the Chiefs, but. I know McCall Harmon's burners, and I thought the Jets signed him to replace the recently cut Braxton Berrios, who had a down year as a kick returner, punt returner, receiver, all that. And McCall Harmon's upgrade over Berrios. We can all agree with that. But literally an hour later, the Jets trade Elijah Moore to the Cleveland Browns, along with their their third-down pick at 74, for the 42nd pick in the Mm -hmm. draft. So Jets currently have two seconds, but they don't have their soon-to-be third-year wide receiver. who showed a lot of promise in six games as a rookie, but it's kind of in the doghouse during his second year. He clashed with coaches. I thought everything would be sorted out after the Rodgers thing and Michael Floor getting fired, but I guess not. So, McCall Hartman, we have a very revamped wide receiver room. It's clear that things are changing. 
Alan Lazard is now the wide receiver too, unless someone else gets signed. Corey Davis, I'm going to be honest, I thought he was going to get cut, but I, I honestly think he could stay as a wide receiver four maybe, or maybe if the Jets sign Odell, he gets cut, which I think should happen. But overall, with McCole Harmon, I'm excited because when, when McCole Harmon's healthy, he is, he's good. I mean, he ran a 4-3-3 at um, the Combine in 2019, and He's shown his ability to make plays on jet sweeps, on short routes, and in the in special teams. So, I'm excited to see McCole ball in New York. Okay, great. Yeah. So in the Jets realm, real quick, I want to add a thing. Uh, I was watching Good Morning Football, you know, recently, Ooh. and they brought up the prompt of the Jets have the best roster on paper in the AFC and AFC East. What do you think about that? I don't know about that no. one. <laughs> The best roster in the AFC. Yeah, um, I don't. Think they I think as long as the Chiefs and Bengals exist and the Bills, I don't think that's going to be the case. I, this was I, with the Rodgers, with Rodgers on the team, hypothetically. Even with Rodgers, I think that the team is in a really competitive spot with Rodgers for the East. Like, I really think that they're they're right there with buffalo and miami obviously new england's in a bit of a rebuilding phase right now but the roster i think is really strong i think douglas has done a fantastic job building through the draft and having guys on everyone's on a very team-friendly deal we only have our bigger contracts in like carl lawson and cj mosley um, and then I think that the Hardman signing was, um, was good. I liked it a lot. He obviously has had a little bit of injury history in the past, but I thought he was a really good addition because when he's healthy, like Ben said, he's a really good player. Uh, trading Elijah Moore, I, I wasn't too surprised. I mean, he did request a trade. <laughs> um, yeah. so, and if you do the math, if you want to whip out like your trade value chart, it he they essentially um he was equivalent to the 66th overall pick, which is right at the top of the third round. So um that seems like right to me based off of he obviously he was his second round pick. I believe he was like 84th. So no no no, that makes no sense. Um <laughs> I believe he I he was taken early in the second round. 34th, um, 34th. 34. That's I knew it was a four. Yeah. Um, but he he obviously yeah. should, like you said showed some promise in his first year, but he had some like disgruntlement with the coaching staff and with the Jets. So right now I think it's a very strong roster. I think the defense is really good. Um obviously we lost Sheldon Rankins, which is a little bit disappointing because he was a really strong rotational player. But um, right now, the Jets, I believe, have, like, all of their picks plus round two to, like, continue to build. And on the offense... Gone soon. We know that. One of those yeah. picks will be gone. On the offense, I think that the main thing is the quarterback. So with Rodgers, I think it's very strong, you know. I think you could probably improve your tight end position maybe a little bit, but you have Rucker, like burning in the background he could be something and then the receivers i think like you said Corey davis could either be included in the green bay deal or will be cut when if we get odell um if if you add odell to that receiver room that's pretty good (laughs) like it's pretty good but you can't like discount buffalo or miami like miami's really been stacking up on Really, their defensive side of the ball in this offseason, obviously acquiring Ramsey. Um, but that's a really good team. So I think their number one question mark is is the health of Tua. But yeah, I think the Jets have a really strong roster. I would say it's like up there with Buffalo and Miami. I don't I think we're gonna see if it is better than them, but I, I would say it's very they're all very even um if Rodgers is on the team. Yeah, I just want to talk about the division as a whole because on paper, I still think Buffalo edges us with the roster. Yeah. Miami, I feel like is equivalent to us. Maybe you can tip you can tip the skill either way. The thing is, I feel like we've seen in the playoffs that especially with Buffalo, Buffalo, I feel like is not as great of a team as we think they are. Like they've been Super Bowl those Super Bowl favorites, I feel like the last two years, and they've fallen short each year. 
they haven't even made the conference championship each year. And in the playoffs this year, especially, they all they very well could have lost to a Skylar Thompson led Miami team. And they didn't even have a they didn't even have a, a prayer against Joe Burrow and Cincinnati at home. So and Buffalo's roster is aging. You know, Von Miller is getting up there. Stefan Diggs is he's still relatively younger, but he's he seems unhappy. Um Jordan Poyer is getting up there in age. Micah High is getting up there in age. A lot of guys are getting older. And Josh Allen, you could tell it's Tyler. We've talked about this countless times on the show. He's not the same guy without Brian Dable. He's turned the ball over a lot more. He's made questionable decisions. So the thing is with the Jets, it's obviously whenever they acquire Rodgers, they have to make sure they have really, I think there's just one thing they have to make sure whenever after they get Rodgers, they have to shore up their offensive line. I think they got a. I think right now they got their two guards as they're as they have right now. I think they're comfortable with they've seen comfortable with one of the tackles. I'm sure Becton and Max Mitchell will battle it out for the for um the right or left tackle spot. I'm sure they'll use their 13th overall pick on a tackle like a Paris Johnson or a Peter Skaronsky or someone like that. And I'm sure they'll use their second round pick on a center because I don't think Connor McGovern is going to be back with the team. So. Put all those pieces together, I think you have a roster that legitimately has a good chance to win their division for the first time since 2002. And numerous betting sites have the Jets as the second best also in the division. I think the most recent thing was the Bills were a plus 140 and the Jets were a plus 210, which isn't that far off. And I can very well see the Jets hosting a playoff game at MetLife Stadium in, in January if things go right. If Rodgers plays competent football because you've seen the Jets arguably the worst quarterback play in the league last season and they still managed to win seven games now take it say if Rodgers even has a season like he did this past season he wasn't his MVP self but he's that quarterback would give the Jets 10 wins at minimum but think about it we saw Aaron Rodgers at the Pat McAfee show this was a pissed off Aaron Rodgers and a pissed off Aaron Rodgers is a top Five, maybe three quarterback in football. Yeah. And when you get Aaron, Ro- a pissed off Aaron Rodgers combined with a better line, the offensive rookie of the year and Garrett Wilson, Alan Lazard, possibly Odell Beckham, a healthy Brees Hall, and two solid tight ends along with the top five defense, you can't tell me that the Jets can't win at least 11 games next year. Yeah. Am I, is, is it out of the realm to say that? No. no. Like, I think. I, I love Brees Hall so much. Um, I was like, I can't even tell you how ecstatic I was with that draft pick. But I, I he won, like, the Pittsburgh game for us. And he won that, he won another game for us. Miami, Denver, Miami. that was like, the only touchdown against Denver. He's, he's like, I, I think, I think people know how good Brees Hall is, but I feel like we don't even know how good Brees Hall is. Brees Hall hasn't even scratched the surface yet. That's a scary thing. Scary, because he was electric for his games before getting hurt. So he's such a wild card, like, in a good way. Like, a like a, how high is this guy's ceiling? Because we already know it's it's going to be great. Yeah, I, I agree. a lot of promise. Even as a Cowboys fan, I'm a big fan of, uh, big fan of Brees Hall's play. But... Grace, I'm going to go back to you real quick. Moving over locker rooms in MetLife Stadium, we all know about Darren Waller's movement to the Giants. How do you feel about that move and what they gave up for him? I thought that Joe Schoen did a phenomenal job with this. Essentially, he traded Kadarius Tony for Darren Waller. Mm-hmm. Um, so Darren Waller, unfortunately, is slightly injury-prone, but I think he adds a really reliable pass catcher to that offense for Daniel Jones. So. As we know, Daniel Jones signed his deal this year, um, so he's under center for them for the next couple of years, um, and he's going to be a he's he, it's Daniel Jones like he's a very reliable quarterback, um, but I think we were able to see that he could be better than he was in years past with Brian Dable, but like how good is he? He had a minimal receiving core this year. So adding a like proven talent in Darren Waller, who's like a top five tight end in the league, is I think excellent for the Giants offense. I'd love for them to get another wideout 
like a I big. Think they might have to wait till the draft for that one. Yeah, exactly. I agree with you. Uh, like a big-bodied wideout. Like I don't know if they want to trade up. I, I don't. I, if I was to trade up, I would trade up for Quentin Johnson out of TCU. He's he's the biggest wide receiver of the top end receivers in the class who has yeah. that type of body. Um, but I think Waller alongside Daniel Bellinger, you're starting to create a really good tight end core. I liked Bellinger a lot. Obviously he was out a few games with that eye injury. Um, but I think he like learning from Darren Waller should be great from him for him. So I really like this move by Joe. Um, I think the giants, are kind of like trying to follow a little bit of the Jets model where they're building through the draft, but they're acquiring like smart free agents. Mm-hmm. And um, I thought this was a great get. So good. Like Kadarius Tony, I think is a really good player who has like, um, like how, like I said, like how good can he be? We don't know, but he has proven talent um, that I, it's just I, I think, like, you don't even know what you've seen from Tony yet, but he didn't mesh in that locker room, either with Dable or with this new regime. And, like, that's fine, because Sean was able to get that second-round pick for him, which he flipped for Waller. So th- I thought that was really smart, really good move, and uh, a proven proven guy for just comfort for Daniel Jones, which is what you need. And that is, like, the NFC is so open in terms of, like, playoff spots <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Um, the, division. the giants should even yeah the division too um obviously i mean i think philly's pretty great but um i they're definitely i don't see how they don't make the playoffs again if they continue to improve this roster you know the thing is also there's another like move by the giants i feel like it's very underlooked signing paris campbell who came on uh, for the indiana indianapolis Colts as their wide receiver too for a one-year, $2.5 million deal. He, like, if we're being honest, like, is it is it far-fetched to say that he's the most talented receiver on the team right now? Like, I know Isaiah Hodgins came his own, and, but, but Paris Campbell, I feel like he's a burner. He had 63 receptions, 623 yards, three touchdowns, and two rushing touchdowns, and a little more expanded role on the Colts. So this is a signing, like, I feel like this is getting a little overlooked because of the Waller trade, but if I do, this is probably, this might have been my favorite move by the Giants this offseason. Yeah, and I, I, I saw that they also just signed Crowder also, and Crowder's a proven slot receiver who can help them out as well. And I think, like, a big problem that the Giants ended up facing is they, like, were faced with injuries from, like, Shepard, um, was they lost that like reliable veteran? So now they've now brought in yeah, three of them. So that should be really good for Jones, some stability for him. Yeah, I think uh, the Giants' best move actually wasn't on the offensive side of the ball. I think it was on the defensive side of the ball. I think Bobby Okereke, uh from the Colts. Oh, I forgot. I forgot yeah, that was their best move. Now four years, That's $40 million dollars with twenty-two million guaranteed. We can get into the politics of the contract, but. They had a huge hole at linebacker, and I think Eric mm-hmm. is very talented. Getting him was something that made not only their team for next year interesting, but something short term their draft interesting. Because uh, in our mock draft we had earlier, we had I had them taking a linebacker. I think that's appropriate. However, with him uh, lined up in the box, there they might take that receiver, and they can change their whole wide receiver core that way. I don't know who they would target. Uh, Grace made a great point. If they want a big guy, you got a guy out of TCU. But if they want something more speedy, more cutthroat, you have the guy at Ohio State. You have Jalen Hyatt out of Tennessee. Yeah. You have even Zay Flowers, who is coming up in a say, lot of so, Flowers is there. I think he's yeah. there at, at where, where are the Giants picking? 20... 25. I don't know if Flowers will make it to 25. I'm going to be honest. Maybe. Yeah, he might. He's been flying up the boards post combine, but I think he's he would be a good fit there. Also, yeah, I, I think their best signing was the linebacker position. Uh, my my biggest gripe with Dalen Waller is like we know what he's capable of. We've seen him be a Raider and be an elite tight end, uh, having years that you could say he was the best tight end in football. But those years, they're they're behind him, and he's losing games by the season, and it's very he's an injury prone player. Yeah, <laughs> it, it, and it's bad. Like obviously. What they gave up for him was irrelevant. It was basically, like you said, Grace, Tony for Dwaller. But um, if it works out for the Giants, it's an elite move. If it doesn't, 
it wasn't that big of a risk. So, I mean, that, that, that's pretty cool. Ben, I'm going to go to you real quick. Obviously, uh, let's go back to your division real quick. Jalen Ramsey to the Dolphins, obviously they bolstered a lot with their defense. Do you think this move is probably one of the better moves of this free agency thus far, having a, a defensive stalwart like Ramsey on the Miami Dolphins? Or do you think it's a bit overrated? I mean, if I'm being real, it's just one more guy that's going to get cooked by Garrett Wilson twice. So I'm not that scared. So, uh, But the package that uh, Miami gave up, a third-round pick and Hunter Long, who hasn't played a lot as a rookie tight end, I think this is just a good move for Miami overall because Xavier Howard – He's a big name, but if we're being honest, I'm friends with a lot of Miami fans. They hate him, and I feel like he's a little—he's getting a little overrated as a corner. So I feel like getting Ramsey definitely helps a lot. But I'm not scared of Miami at all, personally. But I do like what Miami's doing, building up that defense. Because losing Brian Flores helped their offense a lot, but their defense was bottom 10 in the league, I believe. So and that secondary on paper is pretty scary. Having a uh, um, Ramsey, having um, Xavier Howard. There was a rookie corner who I remember came on. Who uh, I forgot his name, but I remember there was a rookie corner. And then uh, Javon Holland, the safety, and um, having a front seven also with Jalen Phillips and uh, Christian Wilkins and Bradley Chubb. On paper, it's a really good defense. Now we just got to see how it can uh, go all together. But the but they also got big fans, so we got to put uh, keep that in play and see how we can coach that defense. No, absolutely, I agree with you. But I, I think he is getting the moniker of a little bit overrated now. I think he's in the limelight for some of his antics, you know, showing up to OTAs with a with a safety deposit van full of money and stuff like that. But I think there are is this emerging class of just better cornerbacks, you know, and it's gonna be really really interesting. And age it does play a factor, especially at the cornerback position. I'm excited to see what Darius Slay does this season because now he's really on the cusp. And another cornerback that our Du Bois acquired, Stephon Gilmore. I was going to bring that up to you. How do you feel about Stephon Gilmore and Brandon Cooks joining right. Boys? Right. I am a huge fan of the Gilmore, okay? We needed something on the other side of Diggs. And uh, obviously, age is a factor. Gilmore's getting up there, high, you know, getting into the mid-30 range. But I do think there's an interesting stat for the past couple seasons. He's been in the 95th percentile for zone coverage and the 91st percentile for man coverage. Now, Ben, I don't know if you percentile means, but that means he's pretty good at the whole guarding thing. Yeah. I'm excited to see what he has with the combo of Dan Quinn. Dan Quinn loves to push the envelope for the zone coverage, especially over the middle. He likes to make receivers get uncomfortable, push them outside the numbers, which could kill us. Sometimes, but I think the uh, the pressure that Micah Parsons and Leighton Van Der Esch is re-signing can do for our team, we're going to be just as good as we were last year, maybe even better, right? Now, Brandon <laughs> Cook was interesting for me. I thought we were going to be more in a bigger sweepstakes at wide receiver, but I, yeah, I forget what reporter mentioned that uh, the Cowboys were seeking a similar budget deal as they got with Gilmore. So that turned me off a little bit because you weren't going to get – uh, Steph, uh, DeAndre Hopkins. You weren't going to get Stephon Diggs. You weren't going to get Odell for a similar bargain deal that you got Gilmore for. So that's that scared me. And But we got Brandon Cooks out of it, who is a journeyman considered now in the NFL. Uh, he's bounced around from team to team, but he's still a very big threat. And I wanted some guy to come in and really take the wide receiver one mantle from CD. I think CD is the most perfect wide receiver too, but he's going to have to keep that mantle and work alongside Brandon Cooks. I'm excited for that matchup. He's a big speed guy. He um, can really open up the field for it, have some clear out routes. But uh, I'm disheartened that I had to see Dalton Schultz walk to a couple of towns over in Houston. But yeah. I'm also excited to see the emergence of Jake Ferguson, who a guy who Travis Kelsey said one of his favorites tight ends to watch now. Him, Bellinger, and I forget the other gentleman mentioned. But our offense is going to be really, really interesting. And we also have over $30 million in cap space. So are we going to sit on that, wait for something to happen, maybe jump at a big star later? But as far as I'm concerned right now, we're out of the Hopkins sweepstakes. We're out of the Diggs sweepstakes. I think we lost interest with Odell. But I'm a huge fan of the Gilmore acquisition. Brandon Cooks, I just want to see how he plays because him riding in Houston hasn't really given me a big sample size of what he's capable of. That's, yeah. that's fair. Think, and, it can go. Oh, no, no. You Go ahead. Go ahead. I was just going to say, I like Cooks. He's like a classic um, outside guy. He's a really, like you said, veteran journeyman who's going to be able to help coach the younger guys. Mm -hmm. 
But I definitely see, I mean, Dallas is an interesting place in the draft because you've let Zeke go. Yeah. Do I think Bijan's going to be there? Not after he visited Philadelphia this weekend or the weekend. Miles is now winter, so. So, yeah, like there's a bunch of different things that could happen there. But if Bijan isn't there and I can see him totally not being there, I'd have to say like take a gander at a guy who can play receiver also because Cooks, like you said, is a little bit older and I don't see why you can't improve that right receiver room even more, especially with a guy like him who'd be able to coach that guy up. So, I mean, we talked about guys who could be available there. I believe it's like the Giants pick and then Dallas or Dallas and then the Giants and they're both kind of in places where they could pick receivers. So, you could see like JSN coming off the board if he's not taken. Jordan Addison out of USC. Hyatt. Zay Flowers. Um, so I, I think you're still in position to like draft a, a, a young receiver, especially like a slot type receiver. But um, I thought the Cook signing, like you can't go wrong. He's a reliable receiver and yeah. he hasn't. Um, he's like been reliable throughout his entire career. So I yeah. thought it was I liked it. I liked it. I definitely, I liked it. I love the Gilmore acquisition, but I, I like yeah. the Cooks one. But uh, yeah, it's going to be interesting because I feel like since we have a speed guy and we have this an all-around guy in CD, we might prioritize a route-running foot ballerina type of player mm-hmm. at that pick, possibly a sh- like the Hyatt or the Zay Flowers. We don't really need a tall physical guy. I don't think that's our play style right now. I think JSN would be perfect there yeah. because he's an excellent route runner. Yeah. But I just don't know if he's there. I, yeah, yeah, I think I think if the Giants go wide receiver, apparently he had an awesome talk with them, so he could probably walk mm. with them. But we'll see. Like all the receivers are going to go that back half of the first round, and then early yeah. into the second. So we'll I think really so. See. But um, I have a following question for the both of you. As we all know, the Raiders got the handsome man, Jimmy G. Uh, yes, you could go Ben first, and then we can go to Grace. What do we feel about this signing? Because I think this is one of the weirder ones of this free agency. You know, this weird. Derek Carr, going from Derek Carr to Jimmy Garoppolo, I feel like you're basically replacing Derek Carr with Derek Carr. So I really don't understand, like, how they think this is an upgrade. I mean, he's a little cheaper. This contract's a little cheaper. It's a three-year, $72.75 million deal. But the thing is with Garoppolo, and that's we all know what his gripe is. Can he stay healthy? Jimmy Garoppolo has been one of the most injury-prone players in the league ever since he left New England. And he's um, played only just one full season ever since then. So that's a big issue. And also, we have to see how he does without Kyle Shanahan. Because and any quarterback can't succeed in Shanahan's system. We saw that with Brock Purdy. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. We I know he's familiar with Josh McDaniels from his their days with the New England Patriots. But losing Darren Waller is a big thing because that's the safety blanket. Obviously, you have Devontae Adams, who's one of the best receivers in football. And you have Hunter Renfro, who is a very underrated receiver. And you have Josh Jacobs, who came, who broke out last season at a running back. So it's really, it's going to be really interesting to see how Jimmy G does in Las Vegas. I just think the Raiders are going to be a middling team once again, six, seven wins, kind of in the, in the murky area. And no one wants to be in between playoff contender and tank for a top draft pick. I just, I really just don't like this signing at all, personally. I mean, I, I guess I, I understand why they did it, but I just feel like they should have. I feel like they could have rolled with like Stidham as a bridge and then drafted someone like a Will Levis or an Anthony Richardson if you dropped there and roll with them in the quarterback room. I just didn't think Garoppolo was really necessary. Yeah, great. I about that. think I don't, I really don't dislike the signing at all because I think that they essentially replaced Stidham with Garoppolo. And Garoppolo was with McDaniels for several years in New England, so they know each other, they trust each other. McDaniels knows how to use him. So I think that in signing Garoppolo, they think they can stay competitive while still drafting a guy like Levis or Richardson. To me, I can 100% see... Vegas trading up to three with Arizona and taking Anthony Richardson there, letting him sit under Jimmy Garoppolo for two years, and then you've essentially replaced Garoppolo with Richardson. The problem is 
like you said, Garoppolo is hurt a lot. <laughs> so you don't want Richardson as your backup quarterback because um, he should not be playing in like at all his first year unless he just absolutely clicks in minicamp for some reason. Um, but I think that I really I don't dislike it at all. I think that they think what I think. I'm saying think a lot. Um, what I think that the Raiders, their thought process was, was we can do better with Garoppolo while we develop this young quarterback than we would be with like Stidham or Minshew or Carr. I guess I think that McDaniels will have more success with Garoppolo than he would have had with Carr for the next two, three years, which I think is valid because we we know how Garoppolo was solid in New England with McDaniels there. So I, I think it was like, I could see the logic, you know, and I think it's fine. But to me, if I'm going out there and I'm drafting Levis or Richardson, I'm going to need another insurance quarterback behind Garoppolo, who's a solid pro. And um, I don't know who that is right now because I don't know any of the backups off the top of my head, but I don't think you can sit there and have Richardson or Levis as your backup. Levis might be fine. Richardson? No. Not not for me. I, I want him to develop, unless, like I said, he comes out and just absolutely stuns in training camp, which I think would be really su- surprising to most people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel that. Before we go on to our next and final segment, I have one team that I want to propose to the room. The Chicago Bears, as we all know, they traded uh, with what they had to do. Oh, how did we not talk about this earlier? <laughs> yeah, I, I wanted to mention this. They obviously acquired DJ Moore. They got the ninth pick in the return. They also signed Tremaine Edmonds for a four-year, $72 million deal. Robert Tunyon. They have one of the younger squads in the NFL. Grace, I'm going to piggyback to you and with Ben. Is this a team that we should legitimately like, somewhat look out for, fear for the future, or you think it's all going to be a hogwash? So... I think that within the division, it's a really fun division now, and I like that a lot because they were not good for several years. Um, but I love the Lions team and what they're creating in Detroit. With Campbell, they're being very thoughtful with the players that they acquire in the locker room that they're creating. Yeah. I was a little bit disappointed they didn't keep Jamal Williams, so that was a little bit surprising to me but i do think that that is a very good young team on the rise but the bears i don't think are necessarily in the position to like jump for the division this year but i think that what polls did for the first overall pick was extremely smart in in the what he got back and the position he's now in he could trade back again if he wanted to depending on who's there and whether they like Jalen Carter if he's there and whether they, I don't know, to have a trade available that makes sense. But I think that the Bears are in a really good position. Justin Fields, if he continues to improve upon his throwing, is a very young and exciting quarterback who you can have for the next like 10 to 15 years, like how, however long you end up yeah. able to have a, a dual-level quarterback, which can be varying based off their health but i i like the acquisitions they made um and i think that they're they're really like i can see the bears having like the jets season not this year the season before okay. where they win like four, only four and 13 season what four and 13 yes where i can see that happening just because they're in that rebuilding mode and they're reformatting everything. But I on I do I don't think they're going to win four games. I think they're going to win like six or seven games and maybe be in competitive for the playoff position in a wild card spot because of the NFC's just like kind of the entire NFC is kind of going through like an interesting turnover phase especially the south. Mm-hmm. Um so I could see the Bears being competitive for that, but if they come out and they have that season like what the Jets had a couple of years ago, because they're kind of reformatting with all these new young guys because their roster is going to come out pretty young. I could see that happening also, but I I think they're going to be in between like right on the edge of the wild card spot and like about like five wins. But I, I like what they're building there. And I think that if polls has a good draft, that could lead Chicago to having a really good next couple of years. 
it's all in how Poles performs in this draft because what he's done to set up the draft in terms of trading down with Carolina and the free agents he's acquired has been really good. And I like a lot of what he's done. So now it's being able, like, does Ryan Poles know how to evaluate talent? Not even evaluate talent, but draft talent and the right talent. So we're going to be able to see that. Obviously, he did a really good job when he, he was with the Chiefs, but we don't know how much of that was his voice in the room. You know, now it's going to be a lot of his voice in the room. So to me, it comes down to his drafting. Um, That's what we saw with Douglas, where Douglas was able to, for the most part, execute on his draft picks really well. So if Poles, who already has a quarterback, is able to execute on his draft picks, I could see Chicago being extremely competitive for the division, probably not this year, but the year after. Um, just like neck and neck with with Detroit, who I think is like, I think I have Detroit. I mean, the Vikings are always good in the regular season, but Detroit is so crazy with their offense is so good. Um, so I think defense, that, their secondary has really improved with Gardner Johnson and Cam Sutton. Definitely, definitely in this free agency, they've been able to acquire some good guys. So I really like that Detroit team. And I really think we're going to have, that's going to be a super competitive division that I'm really excited to watch. Um, But I, like I said, I think Chicago might have a slow start this season just because they're dealing with a few different things. But um, I think it's going to be up to Fields improving his throwing and staying healthy and Poles has to hit on the draft picks this year. And I'm really excited to see what he does because he's made all really good moves so far. Yeah, Ben, you share the same sentiment. You think the Chicago Bears are not going to come off really swinging hot, but like their next couple of years of drafted properly can go very well. You know, what teams that spend a lot in free agency, I feel like it takes a little, not just, I feel like they usually don't pop in their first year after that. Yeah. I feel like, there are a couple. The, there are signs that I love with the teams. There are signings that I'm really a little questionable on. I absolutely love the TJ Edwards signing, three year, nineteen and a half million dollar deal. He really came into his own in Philadelphia as a UDFA, and signing for that contract is a lot. Is great combining, um, pairing him up with uh, Jack Sandburn, who also came into his own last season. I think that does a lot. What I don't really like, I didn't really like the Tremaine Edmonds signing, honestly. Like, I like that they got him, and he's a, one of the best linebackers in the league. But four years, $72 million, $50 million guaranteed. A lot of money. That's, that's a lot of money. Lot of and money. Uh, I feel like they, if anything, they probably could have gave Roquan Smith that a same contract and may, maybe a little more. And I think Roquan Smith is better than Tremaine Edmonds. So I don't really think that's. I'm not a huge, huge fan of the signing, but it's a big name. It's a game changer on defense. I get what they mean, but I get why they sign him. Their defense is so bad. Two of my favorite signings by this team, though, the Deontay Foreman signing and the Demarcus Walker signing. The Losing David Montgomery was big, was huge, because he's consistently been their best player on offense for the last few years, but he got a pretty big deal with Detroit and getting... Deontay Foreman, who after the McCaffrey trade really played good football for Carolina in a committee. And I feel like pairing him up with um, Khalil Herbert and maybe signing some, maybe drafting someone later, I feel like that's going to do a lot for um, Chicago's offense because right now their skill positions are pretty good. Like Fields obviously has a lot of promise. We have to see how he can do actually quarterbacking. Their running back tandem with Herbert and Foreman's looking good. Cole Komet had a very solid year at tight end. Um, also, they signed Bob Tunyon from Green Bay. And the receiving trio is looking good. It's not, you can't joke about Chicago anymore. DJ Moore, Darnell Mooney, Chase Claypool. It's good. Like, Chicago's offense looks pretty solid on paper. They just got to put it all together. We have to see how Eberflus can coach this team. And Grace said it perfectly. We had to see how Poles does in this draft. They were able to set themselves up in a great position to really improve this roster by trading down from one to nine. And there's a real shot that someone like Jalen Carter could fall to them at nine with his issues. Because I remember the Bears were also wanted Deron Payne, who re-signed with the Commanders before free agency, but they couldn't get that done. And now if they can get someone like Jalen Carter in the hole, I feel like I feel like Chicago could be dangerous. Not this year. But next year, I feel like Chicago could win six to seven games. 
But next year, I feel like they could challenge Detroit for the division because I think Detroit is going to win the a- NFC North this year. I just don't see, I don't see the Vikings um, repeating their thirteen and four season and the Packers with Jordan Love. I don't think they're going to be a great squad. But the future is bright for Chicago. Ryan Pulse has done a great job of cleaning up Ryan Pace's mess. Um, I I wholeheartedly agree. I just think that um, it's gonna be a slow burn for Chicago. You know, got a lot of young studs, which it's a rare case in the NFL to see a team this young coming together and see if they can really stick it together. But I'm glad not only teams like the Chicago Bears, but several other teams that would be lottery teams, poverty teams, as my colleagues would call them, are finally getting good GMs, good decision making, good moves for them because. It's not fun when teams suck, obviously, and I can attest to any team, but it's good when organizations, even small market teams, teams that only collect free agents, make good moves like this and set themselves up for a bright and better future. But it's definitely going to be a slow burn for Chicago, but Detroit's really creating a culture over there that'll really uh, F some people up, as I would like to say. But enough talk about the NFL, our last segment here. Ben, I have a question for you, Ben. What month is it? It is March currently, Tyler, and you know what that means. Ben, what's in March, Ben? Uh, a little little tournament by the name of, uh, what is it? March Madness. March Madness. The NCAA tournament is upon us. We are currently leaking into the Elite Eight. Ben, is there any teams, any favorites, anything you want to mention for this March Madness? It's been a very fun one. Let's put it Let's, that uh, way. Before we do anything... Shout out to New Jersey. New Jersey! FDU. New York, so you know, you wouldn't That's, know. This yeah. Um, so, <laughs> ben, I have the same Jersey pride as you. I'm sorry. <laughs> so, Fairleigh Dickinson, about half an hour from where I live. Very small school. I've played there a few times from for uh, AAU. Not the biggest gym, not a big school in general. Not a big team in general, as their average height is six foot three. Which is the but, lowest in D1 basketball. But... Hard over height. That's all I have to say. Mm. Purdue has arguably the best player in college basketball, Zach Eaton, who stands at seven foot four. Purdue, all you have to do is lob the ball into that mammoth of a human being, and he'll get two points. It's simple as that. And after you game plan against that perfectly, because they were swarming EDA as soon as you got the ball, they played the glass really well. They guarded the three pointer really well. And Purdue just played such a good game. It was so exhilarating. The Rosh reminded me of the St. Peter's run back last year. I'm sure you all remember that. So that was just great to watch. They un- unfortunately fell to um, FAU, who's currently playing Kansas State, who we'll get to later in the Elite Eight. But fairly Dickinson, shout out to you guys. But then another team from Jersey who's playing, I think tonight in the Sweet 16 is Creighton, Princeton, the Ivy League school. Arguably the best school in the country, known for their books, but their basketball team upset Arizona, the two seed in the first round, and absolutely gave Missouri the business in round two, winning by 15. So the Tigers could very well be in the Elite Eight. I can't believe I'm saying that. That is backboards, just so cool to see. It's so cool to see. Absolutely. Grace, do you share the same sentiment seeing New Jersey teams thrive? Or there's other teams that you were feeling this tournament or disappointed in? I don't think I have the same passion for New oh, Jersey. Oh, man. I definitely think that it's cool to see, like, because, like, if you're from the area, a lot of times you're applying to schools in the area. So you know these schools. Like, I've heard of Fairleigh Dickinson. Um, obviously, I know Princeton. But it's just fun to see. Uh, I don't. I don't even think I knew St. Peter's last year, but it's fun to see like your more local teams get recognition on a national stage. And March is like, I like, I love March Madness so much. I think it's the most perfect tournament in all of sports in terms Agreed. of a playoff format. Agreed. It's like as much as I love MLB playoffs, as much as the NFL playoffs are so great. Uh, it's it's perfect. It's a perfect tournament because it gives the chance for other schools that are underrepresented, whether that's like HBCUs or just really small programs like St. Peter's or FDU that people don't know. But now, like, I remember when Oral Roberts went on their run. Oh, yeah. Not last year, the year before. And I still I know that school now, you know, that is yeah. so that means so much to the administrators and the brand of the school and 
it, it just does so much for them. And that's why I think it's just truly one of the best tournaments out there. Um, in terms of, of what's happening, I obviously... Kansas State yesterday was electric. Noel was l- electric. I I need to find a way to get him on the Knicks. Um, <laughs> Mr. New York City needs to be in New York. He needs to be back in his hometown. Um, but I something about this UConn team is really good. <laughs> um, yeah. You know they they beat up on Iona, um, and they just did a really good job being a complete team i believe they lead the nation in offensive rebounds and they're so aggressive on the boards they have height they play um defense they've been good um on the boards and shooting as well so i think they're a really well-rounded team so obviously they stand out to me but k-state is just absolutely riding the wave of good energy right now so they're a really interesting team to watch as well um I, I like I said, the Big East support is 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 great right now. We have Xavier and Creighton in, you know, the later rounds of this tournament, which is pretty great because we saw this um, conference kind of fall apart a bit in 2013 when we had like Syracuse leave. Um, I want to say Virginia Tech used to be in the Big East. Am I? Dumb. I believe the Hokies did have residency in the Big East. Yes, I thought so too. So we had a bunch of like big programs leave for different conferences. Obviously, UConn left for a brief amount of time and then came back, but it really hasn't been the same conference as it was when when Cuse was in here um, until this year, and they're really been able to rebrand themselves and become a powerhouse basketball. Obviously, it's only basketball schools for the most part. Um, conference, so that's really great to see. Um, we had a bit of a coaching carousel with Cooley leaving for Georgetown, and then Patino leaving Iona for St. John's. Yes, so, so um, I, I, I love that this conference is super competitive again because I think it's so. I think it's such a great conference of just like big basketball schools like like the kids who go to these schools love basketball and like that's the sport at this school like i think k-state being in in going this deep in the tournament is great but like when i think i can't say i think of football so i think that these kids who go to the basketball schools just love um you know they they take so much pride in in being in this tournament and i'm not saying k-state doesn't but it's, it's just um just seeing the success of the Big East has has been really great too. No, absolutely. I, I was uh, currently I'm a student here at St. John's University. The boys are buzzing over here. Rick Pitino's wearing suits, Versace shoes, and J. Cole is on campus. Before I go into the Big East, I want to mention a couple of teams. Obviously, Kansas State's awesome. The fact that they have a five eight point guard at my height doing what he's doing, breaking NCAA tournament assist records, awesome. UConn, scary. They're going to run to the Zags, though. That old team with Drew Timmy being 45 years old, Stenson Bennett of college. Uh, on the other side, we're obviously rooting for Princeton against Creighton. Princeton is hot. Sure. Algebra homework tonight, though. So you got to watch out. Make sure you put, you know submit it on Canvas. I'm not impressed with Houston. I'm going to get into Houston right now. They struggled for majority of that game against Northern Kentucky, the Norse. They just got it heated up late against Auburn. And Miami is flaming hot right now coming off that win against Indiana, who a lot mm-hmm. of people had going far. I think Houston's going to fall to Miami in, this, the, in their section there. Alabama, San Diego State, I think Alabama takes that one. I'm rooting for Princeton, baby. Yes, sir. I think Xavier beats up ten- Texas in this, in this matchup tonight. I think they're going to move on. That's not a hot take. take. I don't know about I think I they're going to win this game. Xavier, the game's been questionable. Yeah, I think I, they're gonna win this game. I don't know about that, but I have a feeling. I just have I a feeling. Think, I really like this Creighton Princeton. Creighton plays Princeton, right? Yes. Yeah, I think that's a great game because oh, that Princeton coach is really, really good. Yeah. So yeah. this is like a really great matchup. And um I I think it's a good slate today, but yeah, I, I didn't even realize FAU won yesterday because I wasn't able to watch. Yep, they got that upset against Tennessee. Like, but now they, they're playing um, – who are they playing? 
Kansas State. I want to talk about Kansas State a little bit because this is uh, – I had these guys going to the Final Four, but I just love – this is such a good story. They are projected – I think they are projected to finish last in the Pac-12 for basketball this year. Damn. So them being a 3C in the tournament and just like – you mentioned Marquise Noel, Mr. New, Mr. New York City. He playing. He got recognized playing like cooking guys at Rucker Park, standing five foot eight, my and Tyler's height, um, and putting up twenty points, nineteen assists, and an overtime win against Michigan State, a very revered basketball school. It's just something you love to see, and as Grace said, love to see this guy on the Knicks because I feel like he just embodies New York. But I also, don't even know where he plays, but I yeah. don't. He needs to be on the roster. Yeah. Also, uh, Keontae Johnson, I just want to bring him up. Obviously, we know what happened two years ago. Unfortunately, collapsed on the court due to cardiac uh, arrest. When he was playing for Florida, he got offered $5 million to never play basketball again. But he bet on himself, transferred to um, Kansas State. And he, him and Noel are leading this team to the Elite Eight, which is the furthest they've been in. I don't, I don't even know how long. I'm just... I'm really happy for these guys. If Princeton doesn't go all the way, I'm rooting for these guys to win it all because their story is just so great. I'm with you there, Ben. I do believe that Kansas State, what they're doing is awesome because usually they've they've been in the, you know, big brother shadow of the Jayhawks. But being here, really, really cool. But FAU, Florida Atlantic University, isn't a team to take lightly. They've been very excited. We saw what they did against Tennessee. Exactly, yeah. and a, a fun fact about them is they average 35 points off the bench, which is wow. a one. They lead all Division One basketball in bench points. That's so crazy. Their depth is insane, and they ha- they nobody talks about them. Nobody. They did what they had to do against Memphis. They went to get FDU, and then they did a master class performance in Tennessee, and now they got to go against a red-hot Kansas State uh, team. Which this out of all the games currently going on right now or for the future, this is the one I'm really looking forward to because you have yeah. this red hot team going against a deep team. No one's talking about 35 points off the bench. That's insane. That's I insane. Think, yeah, I I like this game a lot too because I, like too. I think people have said like FAU's had a bit of a breezy path to get here, and like Tennessee's like. They're no like pushover. No, but no, I, I'm like these guys have to still be playing with a bit of a chip on their shoulder because I think in some cases they they may have had like a slightly easier path, you know, playing FDU, yeah. playing Memphis, obviously eight nine playing each other is always a bit of a even draw. Mm-hmm. So I think this game is going to be pretty competitive, but I don't know if anyone can stop Noel. Is that ga- is that going to be an MSG? Is Elite Eight going to be an MSG? I don't know because I know a lot of games here slated in 16. If it's an MSG, I'm taking K State. If it's anywhere else, it's going to be a shootout. A shootout? Yeah, you can well affect his opinion. Noel can only play an MSG. Like, I'm not saying he's bad in other places, but I'm saying. Back in Seton Hall. Yeah, he absolutely turns it on in in MSG. I I love that. Let me see. It's going to be tough. It's definitely going to be tough. I, th- th- I'm, I'm most excited for that game. I know Princeton Creighton's is, has a lot riding on it. You know, you got the Algebra boys, the Apple interns versus Creighton. But like, it is. It's an oh, MSG. Case oh, no. I'm taking Noel. I'm taking Noel and K-State all the way to the final four. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, as it stands right now, I'm going to leave with a final remark for each of you. As it stands right now, Ben, I think you made mention that you want Princeton to win them all, but if not, Kansas I mean, is correct. I mean, yeah, I got to root for the boys back in New Jersey. So, so Grace, do you feel the same sentiment having this love for Kansas State, or do you genuinely think another team currently slated right now can win this whole thing? You know, I had Alabama winning my bracket. Mm-hmm. Despite the number of headlines they found themselves in the news, this team is really good. And the thing about Alabama is they are absolutely locked in. Like, they just don't care anything that is happening outside of the court. Like, they just lock in. So I, I definitely think they are probably top dog for me. Along, but the energy of K State, like 
it all it's all momentum and confidence i think in these rounds of um the tournament obviously being confident in that first round is big too especially for the smaller schools but in in this case scenario like they're not they're these teams are all here because they're really good you know in the elite eight and the sweet 16 so you have to be absolutely locked in and i think alabama is and i think k-state they're just their momentum's so good that i think they're they're really competitive as well but i think alabama's the only other one that i'm considering to be like they're playing san diego state if they lose to San Diego State, I'll be pretty surprised with you, to be honest. I had San Diego State losing the first round. I would be so shocked. Yeah, yeah. So I it, San Diego State, and then they play. If they beat San Diego State, they play either Princeton or Creighton. So I think they're in a really good position to um, advance further than this round. And I think that you know Miller is an excellent player, regardless of his out, uh, outside the court stuff um so i i to me they're they're pretty competitive with with kansas state for my overall winner um and i i i like uconn a lot i think uconn is a really complete there i i didn't watch a lot of uconn basketball this year they obviously have an excellent women's team and their men's team has been like a little bit up and down the past couple of years, but this group of guys is really good. So I, to me, it's them, it's Alabama, Texas has a really strong as well, and, and K-State. Those are my programs I'm looking at. Those four um, are the ones that are the most likely, I think, to, to be able to take it all. Yeah, I, I think I'm with you on there. I think Alabama's probably my personal favorite besides obviously want the Princeton boys to buzz. But Alabama's yeah. like they, they can walk into the final four realistically. Yeah, they have an easy yeah. Yeah. I think yeah. so. Yeah, Especially with uh, Arizona and um Baylor getting knocked out um early. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I wouldn't even say I'm like rooting for Alabama because, you know, NATO is very morally questionable. So I don't think I'm out here like hoping my bracket is right. But I think that they are the team that could genuinely just be the best because of how good he is at coaching and how how good the team has been the whole season, you know? I think the uh, late emergence of Brandon Miller, because I remember he started this tournament like 0 for 8 and everybody's like, oh, what's going on here? Mm. Now that he's got his footing and the rest of the supporting cast believe in scary. him, believe in, yeah, yeah. It's scary. It's really, it's really scary. Really and and, and it, like, yeah, they, I think they do have a cakewalk compared to the other side. You know, Houston, Miami got to face the winner of Xavier, Texas. No light bodies there. UConn and Gonzaga is going to give us an instant classic. And FAU, Kansas State is probably the most exciting game that's going to happen in the in the coming days. So I, yeah, yeah. I, think I have Alabama doing their thing and maybe encountering. I don't even know who they encounter because all these games can go either way, and nothing would shock me at this point. Nothing nope. would shock me. Yeah, uh, I I like that. Gonzaga UConn game a lot too though. That's a really good game. Oh yeah, and what they did to UCLA. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Oh my. Drew God. Timmy. Timmy. And, uh, Julian, and Drew Str- Julian Strother. Yeah. Oh, unbelievable, unbelievable. But shout out to Amari Bailey for making that one shot to you know. Oh yeah. Put UCLA up and then all of a sudden they're they proud. On the same play. Proud. Around, so. I'm actually so excited for this Kansas State FAU game. The fact oh, that it's in the Garden exciting. again. Like it's if, like. like Noel's gonna drop 35, okay? <laughs> 35 and 15. I What'd would you say? that for him. 35 and 15, calling yeah. it right here. 100%. Hey, Ben, short kings, rise, baby. Let's go. Yes, sir. Five eight, if anyone says five eight's too much, just talk to Marquise Noel. Or too little, my bad. <laughs> too much. Well, I think it might be too much for FAU to handle because it's in New York soil, but I'll right. leave you with that. Ben, send us off, Ben. All right, that's going to do it for this episode of the Sports Cemetery. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. Once again, I'm Ben Kuchapudi. And I'm Tyler. And I'm Grace. Yeah, Yay. Thank you guys so much. We'll see you guys next week. Peace out. Bye.